start our discussion with um, the reading in our Comparative Legal Systems book, Chapter 4, on different forms of procedure in civil law systems. And then we'll talk about uh, more application of uh, the code of the International Criminal Court to your moot court. Uh, essentially, this chapter is concerned with um, procedures uh, that we would associate with a trial, but it's not exactly correct to say it's trial procedure. And that's because in the United States, the trial is the culminating event of a long series of pre-trial motions, uh, different discovery procedures on the evidence, various rulings, and then the trial starts. And if it's a big trial, it'll typically run Monday through Thursday. Friday will be the day the judge handles less important matters or, uh, or other forms of court business. Uh, in the civil law systems, there's no one day of a trial. I mean, in other words, it's sort of like the pretrial process that we have in common law adversarial trials, which is to say, you know, on, on such and such a day, we'll deal with this kind of thing. Two weeks to three weeks, six weeks later, we'll, there'll be another hearing in court to review something else on the schedule. Then some more time will pass. In other words, it's not a continuous <coughs> process. Also, the trials them <coughs> processes themselves in civil law countries are generally a lot shorter. Uh, this is in part because it is, it's called an inquisitorial system, <coughs> but it's not technically, at least according to the author of this chapter, and I don't know which of the three authors mentioned wrote this chapter, but it's not really an inquisition. And you're certainly not uh, presumed to be guilty, even though that's the way it's sometimes portrayed, particularly by common law uh, people, because in our adversarial prices, process, both sides argue the case vociferously from their viewpoints. Uh, and that's one of the reasons trials are longer, because each side wants to take as much time as they feel they need to present their versions of not only the facts, but also the law. In the civil law systems, the judge has the major role, not the exclusive role, because lawyers do present issues of fact, but generally speaking, much more of the fact-finding process is done by the investigating judge, the presiding judge, uh, and the judge is not a neutral referee trying to enforce the rules as the other sides argue about the evidence. And you don't have any exclusionary rules, such as in the US Constitution, uh, unlawful seizures and ser searches and seizures, such as going into someone's home without a warrant, which is protected by the US uh, Constitution. These kinds of protections don't exist in civil law countries. Uh, there, there may be particular rules in countries on when you can go in someone's house, for example, but you can introduce any evidence you want. Hearsay evidence is legal in most civil law countries' processes. Conjectures are legal. The kind of things we see in our common law trials uh, on TV shows or in reality about objection, objection. Those objections that are raised by the lawyers are typically over questions of evidence that can be introduced and types of questions that can be asked. When, since the judge is in charge and there are basically no rules, in a civil law country, the judge will decide what's reasonable hearsay evidence that can be introduced and what is too speculative or too biased to be considered. 
So there's a lot more discretion given to the judge in <coughs> investigating the facts. The, the judge, once he or she has made up her mind as to what's going on, doesn't play out a long series of uh, interrogations from one side or the other, examination, cross-examination by both sides. So it's a much faster process. The judge has already collected evidence, been helped by detectives and others in a criminal case. Um, in a civil case, the lawyers, that is civil in the American sense of a lawsuit of one set of private prop parties against another, um, in those kinds of situations, then the lawyers would bring more of the evidence to the court, but then the judge would quickly decide what he or she thinks is acceptable and appropriate. So you can see that in the inquisitorial system, as it's called, and as the author says, that's a misnomer because it's not an inquisition. You still have a presumption of innocence. There's still a sense of fair play. Uh, being neutral is important. All of these things, the appearance of neutrality is important. Um, in this case, uh, we have a system that has evolved organically, and it's not particularly controversial. You don't hear hue and cry in the public about the civil process, the civil law system's trial process, even though it's not quote unquote a trial, as being inquisitorial, biased against the defendant, biased for against plaintiffs or defendants in a, in a private legal action or what have you. And as they say in the, in the chapter, uh, typically civil law countries, just like common law countries, can't handle political cases very well because no system really does that because everyone assumes that there's political bias, political motives behind it. So if you're you know, suing a politician for corruption, one side will say this is for the rule of law. The other side will say this is political persecution of one side against another. Uh, but you know, obviously, these are the rare, though extremely important, legal cases. Um, in fact, they point out that in the United States, which uh, has the common law system adversarial trial approach, you get much more public complaints about the fairness of the criminal justice and civil justice systems than you get in uh, civil law countries. If, if the criteria for the quality of trials and uh, civil and procedure and criminal procedure in civil trials were based on the kinds of reactions you get from people, then hands down the civil law countries have a better process. But I suppose there are reasons to think that the fact that we complain more may reflect the fact that we complain more. Also, it is true that the adversarial process that we have, one side against the other, making the broadest possible case for your side or the other, leads to pretty extreme exaggerations about the fact, leads to a lot of inferences, leads to a lot of judge rulings. Judge has to make a lot of rulings that are controversial in a common law case. And this, of course, leads to criticism of the judge about uh, these interpretations of rulings and the application to the particular situation. Um, also, the judge is managing both sides, keeping their tempers down, keeping the court in a uh, sense of decorum. In the common law systems that we have, uh, contempt of court is a power of the judge to, to penalize and punish, if necessary, anyone in the courtroom for misbehavior. That power doesn't even exist in civil law countries, mainly because uh, the two sides don't 
act up, as it were, as much as we do in our side. We have all these portrayals on Hollywood and TV. And of course, if you go and serve in a jury, you will see that uh, the judges have to you know, keep the emotions down. They don't always bang, bang, bang with the gavel to say order in the court, order in the court. Um, and, but you'll also see a very emotional final statement on both sides, prosecution and defense, particularly in criminal trials, but also in civil trials, summing up the case, appeal, so there's a jury especially, which are much more common uh, in uh, our common law adversarial systems. Civil law systems, a few of them have juries. Most, most of them do not have juries. So you're gonna get all of that element of emotion that could be a subject of public criticism and complaint as well. <laughs> the decisions by juries themselves often leads to people wondering whether, why the jury did or did not convict a defendant. Or for that matter, in a civil trial in the common law systems, uh, the jury, if you have one, is gonna be weighing the preponderance of evidence and you have juries of lay people who uh, are asked to decide very technical questions on the basis of who knows what. Do they have any expertise? Should they be deciding what, what, whether a woman or a man should get a million or five million dollars because McDonald's coffee was too hot? Do you want to have a jury deciding whether a doctor has committed malpractice or some other professional has committed malpractice uh, with the awards of tens of millions of dollars? Um, and the fact that juries do give awards of this magnitude, does that mean that uh, you know, all our medical costs are so much higher in the United States because the insurance companies then are going to have to, if they offer medical malpractice insurance to doctors, they're going to have to cover the doctors, which in turn, since juries know that the doctors are covered with insurance, knows that the doctor is not, not going to be the one at least immediately paying out to the plaintiff if there's a victory in the case, and so on and so forth. So, these are a whole host of reasons why uh, we have more complaints about the, our civil and criminal justice systems and the procedures and trials and the like. The, the civil law systems you know, have very tiny awards. If you lose your thumb in an accident uh, in England, at least the 20 years ago when I last read about this, you got six pounds for your thumb, which would be t today's dollars about $10. And you know, if I lost my thumb, $10 these days doesn't go very far. Um, so even if it were $100, my thumb is obviously you can't put a price on it. Um, I wouldn't want to put a price on a limb because I don't think I want to give up my thumb for any amount of money. Give, assuming I'm not starving and desperate to get some money uh, under those circumstances. Okay, another important feature of these comparisons concerns the issues of a review of case decisions. And this in turn, of course, varies between the German model and the French model. Again, we have to review what we studied before. Uh, in the French model, we have two forms of review. The uh, two review bodies is the Cour de Cassation, the Cassation Court in the French model, and the Conseil d'Etat, or the Council of State. And in these two models, we have uh, very different systems of review of, of appellate decisions involving public law. The Council of State is almost completely 
a body that reviews administrative law. Administrative law is the law <coughs> of government agencies dealing with the public or dealing with each other. You know, the equivalent would be the, the laws that have emerged governing, let's say, the Environmental Protection Agency on the types of procedures it must follow for promulgating regulations on toxic chemicals, air pollution, or water pollution. And then, more particularly, you get much more cases involving uh, companies contesting the penalties or fines they might be assessed for chemical air or water pollution under the existing laws, the Toxic Chemicals Act, the uh, Water Pollution Act, Clean Air Act, and the Clean Water Act. So in France, the Council of State has its own case law, and it operates like a court in the sense that it refers to its previous decisions, and it's kind of binding. But the difference, of course, as you may recall from our earlier discussions, is that the Council of State uh, is in the executive branch. For historical reasons, it emerged from the late French monarchy and then the early period uh, of the revolution and then the Napoleonic period. Uh, and uh, it only rules primarily on matters of laws, constitutionality, prior to their taking effect. So we're talking about primarily administrative laws, how the executive branch <coughs> governs in state. And you have a quasi-court within the executive branch judging the executive branch. But it does have a tradition of independence. And this model has been borrowed by Belgium and Italy in varying degrees with its own kind of uh, council of state. But more importantly is the model of the cassation court. Uh, the word casse in French means to break. Uh, to break means essentially that for all other types of cases taken on appeal, uh, and usually not involving public law, uh, it can break the previous decision, but it doesn't revise it. In other words, uh, except on the third try, uh, but the first two times anyway, and certainly the first time that it takes a court on appeal and it says, OK, this is not done in accordance with uh, the proper interpretation of the law, or this, the proper application of the evidence, although typically appeals are supposed to be just about legal questions, not factual questions. The author says that occasionally factual issues do seem to go in. But anyway, it, it, sends, it says, OK, you didn't do that right. Do it again. So they just do the trial over again. Uh, they're instructed on how to use the law. Uh, and sometimes, according to the chapter, they simply interpret the law the exact same incorrect way again. And so they will casse, break the original decision again, and send it back. This is kind of similar to the way it works in the United States when an appellate court, certainly on issues of fact, if it rules on appeal just on law, uh, they, they say, OK, do the trial over again. or pick up where you left off, but use a different legal criterion uh, and find out how to apply uh, facts that you've established with a different legal standard, or if necessary, a brand new trial to determine the facts in light of this particular legal ruling, because perhaps it referred to the way evidence was gathered, and so that would require a new trial. Um, in the 
cassation court, then uh, it breaks, it doesn't revise. The German system with, as you recall, there's a constitutional court, and then there are six appellate courts for the six divisions. So public law is appealed to the constitutional court, and it decides on the basis of judicial review, just like in the United States, and it has its own case law, and it sends, um, you know, cases back, or it simply comes up with a final decision and has a choice and changes the decision, and that's final. In the United States, you know, the more typical a 